The curriculum's important, but they're also aware that we're kind of in this partnership where we do need to look out for each other. So I, I always tell the kids, and I tell this to new teachers that come in, the kids don't care what you know until they know you care. Well, say that one more time. That's a goodie. Yeah, so kids don't care what you know yeah. until they know you care. One of the largest things with changing lanes is joy. Recognising joy is a very vulnerable emotion. Yeah. So our final task for the unit or for the, the nine-week term is these kids will write a gratitude letter to their hero that they said in the first week. Okay. Why they're their hero, what yeah. they're thankful for about them, how they make them feel. Yeah. It's very structured. I'll teach them how to write a gratitude letter and then I'll tell the parents because nine times out of ten it's their parents. I'll say, hey, your son or daughter just written a letter today. They're going to read it for you tonight. Right. Don't you read it. I said, let them read it to you. Yeah. So... It breaks down wow. so many walls that you typically have, and I know I've got it with sometimes my dad or mum, yeah. because we weren't brought up in a home where um, I guess emotion wasn't actively expressed. Yeah. Like we talk and they were, they're incredibly loving and caring, but we probably didn't engage in that those type of conversations enough. Yeah. It's the same with the kids now. Yeah. It's just that cycle. Yeah. It's a cycle. My biggest piece of advice is when your kid gets in the car and you say, how was your day? And they say, good. Or what did you learn? They say, not much. Yeah. Like, don't end it. Yeah. Like prioritize the 20 minute drive home. Yeah. As the greatest opportunity for you to connect with them. Love it. Like it's not only going to help your bond. Yeah. But it helps them actually talk to someone, yeah. one that's older than them, but it's like it's your parents. Yeah. Like inform some sort of close relationship with them that isn't just a, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And they're like, push them for it. Love it. Hey, welcome dear people to yet another episode of A Journey with Bernie. Hey, for any of you who know my pathway, you might recognize that I've been involved in education for a very, very long time. I was the founder of an organization called, well, back then it was called the Australian Youth Development Program. It was otherwise known as AYDP, and that's the acronym that we took to the, uh, took to the marketplace. Well, I can tell you now, back in the uh, 80s and 90s, acronyms didn't last too long, and we needed something a little bit more modern, and that's when the name YLEAD, a small Y-L-E-A-D, and I'm very proud to say this to you, the organization still exists exists despite the fact that I'm no longer involved in it in any way. Now, what's all that about and what's that got to do with today's episode? Well, having been involved in education, you'd, you'd, you can imagine my attachment to what this episode is all about, what this podcast is all about, love, happiness and meaning, and how does that relate to education? Well, I'm still involved in running leadership programs in Australian schools, not so long ago, had 220 year 11s from Bundaberg State High School. Hello up there. We had a marvellous day together. And, uh, and I'm, I'm interested in how we actually bring this whole message of life education to our children at a much younger age. Now, Recently, I had the wonderful opportunity of working with that Sean Hart. I've forgotten what episode Hardy is. It's around about the late 20s. And Hardy introduced me. Are you the captain of the Bond University football? Are you? Uh, not the official captain, no. No, you're no. not. You're not. No, but you're one, not. Of the, uh, the, one of the leaders. I'm talking to Mitch Mills here, dear people. Uh, you're one of the leaders one of the, of the football leaders. club. Yeah. Have you been the captain of the, of, the, of the club? Not the overall captain, but I have had a captaincy role, yes. You just act like captain. I'll try my best, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch is a, uh, a very prominent educator here 
on the Gold Coast doing some wonderful stuff with kids. When I started to learn about his program called Changing Lanes, I was just gobsmacked that such a program was existing in our schools. And it's not surprising for me to hear today that Mitch has been nominated, I think, by his school as a, um, a, a, a prominent educator, uh, an educator that should be recognised. Mate, you've, you've got an award today or you're in the awards. In the running for the award of Teacher of the Year. Mate, speak it up. What's yeah, it all about? Come on. It is. It's, a, it's to recognise secondary teachers around Australia and I've been shortlisted with seven others across the country, which will be announced in August. So when we say seven others, one from each state? No, just as many or those seven are across Australia. There's no select number from each state. How many from Queensland, mate? I just want to know uh, that the Queensland boys and girls are up. Yeah, I think there's two. There's two, two okay. which is good. We're doing well. We're doing well. <laughs> I'm pleased. And tell me, what were you what were you recognised for? And you can say teacher of the year. That makes you a very very good teacher. But was there something specifically that someone's taken notice of and said, "Wow, this Mitch Mills does a great job"? What do you believe you were recognised for? I think as a whole, it is like you were saying, the foundation of the Changing Lanes program, and I think. The school that I am at has taken a huge chance on me in terms of making this program and in implementing the program, and it's been really successful, not just from an outsider's point of view, but the kids have loved it. So, so th this is interesting that a school administration has seen real value in this program. I suppose before we applaud the administration for, for, for seeing such value, tell us what is Changing Lanes all about? Look, as a whole, or in essence, the Changing Lanes program is all about embracing your imperfections and recognising that vulnerability should be celebrated as a, as a strength, not a weakness. Wow. Yeah, it's, um, it is quite powerful because I like to talk to the kids at the beginning of the, the program and do a, a brief pre-program survey, and a lot of the kids will say vulnerability is a weakness. When I think of vulnerability, I think of something that someone doesn't have or something that they're not good at. Whereas we reframe that throughout the 10-week program to really recognise that our greatest connections are formed through being vulnerable. Well, this is great news, mate, because that means you can be as vulnerable as you like in this podcast. As I want, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to practice what I preach. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you? I, I don't like this word. Sell that message to sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds who are trying to build their their identity, and usually it's behind glorifying themselves and uh, you know trying to talk themselves up. And yet you're turning around and saying, "Hey, be human. Um, it's okay to be vulnerable and admit what's not going well for you, and and where you see your problems and issues." How do you? How do you get? such young people to a place where they're comfortable about sharing that real self with others. Yeah, it, it is really, really difficult and you have to be really careful about how you create the environment in, in a safe and supportive way. I found that I have to model it. So if we're doing an exercise that is founded upon vulnerability and embracing your yourself, your true self for who you are, I need to walk the walk as well. So I'll give an example of how I am vulnerable. I'll tell them a hardship that I've been through and how it made me feel and what I've learned from it. But in addition to that, any student that's gone through the program in the previous years, I'll invite them back and well, they'll do the same exercise yeah. to kind of show, hey, this has been done before and it works. So you guys just need to lean into that and do the same. Now, now buddy, I'm an instinctive person, yeah. right? So, so when you said that you're prepared to lead with your vulnerability, I'm now thinking of our listeners here who would want to know a little bit more about you as a person, and yet we can get an example here of how you might lead vulnerability to, to the kids yeah. as well. Yeah. So can you share with us an example so that we get this picture of you in a classroom, you at an assembly with year 11s, and you're sharing something of vulnerability about yourself what might that be yeah so one of the one or one of the biggest misconceptions 
that I initially lead with, with the vulnerability is that joy is also our most vulnerable emotion. So when we do an exercise where you have to be vulnerable, I get them to talk about something they're really passionate about, but also something they've really struggled with. So I'll initially lead with um, who my hero is. So I would sit there and say, look, my hero is my younger brother. Yeah. And it's interesting because a few of the kids know my younger brother. Right. He's a teacher as well. And um, I said, look, he went through so much growing up. He's a dancer. Yeah. And he was just relentlessly bullied during high school and junior school just because he didn't fit that typical male mold. You're not sporty. Like, you're a dancer. Yeah. All the names under the sun, gay, like, homosexual. Like, it was relentless. And the fact that he kind of just pressed on. And he's now thriving in this space. He's like, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. And that would be my hero. And sure. I tell the kids my hero. But my hardship, I'd say, look, I found it really difficult, particularly while teaching. It was probably about three years ago. Um, my parents split. They split up and we were still living at home, yeah. my brother and I. And I found it so incredibly hard to go from home where my parents were arguing and there was like yelling and screaming and there was just re- so many tears and then to kind of – leave it in your car and get out and walk in and be all happy and smiley and say, like, I'm here to support the kids. Yeah. And then you just break down that night. Yeah. I found it really difficult. And I told the kids that because the kids do see me as this really upbeat, fun, supportive person that everything's great. But um, like I let them know, I said, I could be teaching you and something really sad is going on and you, like you wouldn't know. But I do say to them, it's important that you talk to people about it. So I'll talk to my colleagues about it, ones that I'm really close with. Sure. And they can obviously provide the support. And I tell the kids that as well. So you need to lean in and ask for that help. Is there, this is fascinating for me because I think the question in the back of my mind is how real and authentic does a teacher as a person need to be when they're relating and connecting with children and let's say older children here at a secondary school, and is there room for you to have come to school and announce these issues and problems at home that you were experiencing in the in the classroom, or I suppose right time, right place? You tell tell me. Can you do that? Can teachers do that? And is that appropriate? They absolutely can do it. I think it's, I found that with my classes, particularly the older ones, I'm very well aware that I wouldn't talk to year sevens or eights about this. Like I'm very comfortable with my 11s and 12s that I've had for a few years. We've got this really strong connection where the curriculum's important, but they're also aware that we're kind of in this partnership where we do need to look out for each other. So I I always tell the kids and I tell this to new teachers that come in, the kids don't care what you know until they know you care. Well, say that one more time. That's a goodie. Yeah. So kids don't care what you know until they know you care. Right. So, and it's actually so interesting you brought this up because I had a few year 11s come up to me yesterday and they're like, so you do all this program stuff and we talk about vulnerability, but like, like, are you okay? Like, is everything going all right for you? And you, it's just like this weight is lifted off your shoulders because you think it's working. Yeah. If, if they feel comfortable coming to me asking that, I'm sure they're doing it with their friends. Yeah, like, yeah. So, But there is space. I think there absolutely is space because I think it goes hand in hand. If kids kids don't learn unless they're in an environment that's supportive. Sure. Like, you need to have that space Yeah. to do that. Yeah. And you need to create the space. It's not all about, like, transmitting content and assessments. It is – they need to know you've got their best interests in mind. You, you and I have a, have a common, common man that we both love and, and I mentioned him earlier on in, in Sean Hart. Yeah. Right? And I'm now thinking the transferability of what you're saying, being real as a coach, being real as a teacher, being authentic as a person – sharing who you really are. Um, Hardy's got that gift down there at the footy club. Yeah, Could you does. elaborate on that in, oh. in what you experience about him? He, he, he'll probably be embarrassed listening to this, but let's embarrass him. No, I, I love him. I think I don't, I don't know what it is about Hardy, but when he talks, you just listen. Yeah. And I think it is because he's so authentic. He just is who he is. He's not yeah. trying to put on this front to impress anyone. 
he just cares. Like, and I think that's at the heart, excuse the pun, but like at the heart of what he does. Yeah. Like he's a coach first and foremost, but he will look out for you. It was only a couple of days ago when one of our mates wasn't showing up to training and he didn't ring and blast him for it. He called us and said, hey, can you just check in on this person? Yeah. We just want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. Like how many coaches have done that? I, I reckon he's the first coach that I've had to have done that. Well, how many coaches would have immediately assumed that that he's letting down the team and they would have thought about their role as coach and the team rather than I wonder what's happening with that with that person. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I, I just had a similar experience not less than an hour ago in which a young lady who contacted me wanted to be on the podcast and she said she knew me from a program um, many, many years ago, right? a program that I did at uh, a real estate firm. Anyway, when we were supposed to meet for the pre-podcast coffee, she contacts me 10 minutes beforehand and says she can't make it, she's sick. And I've just gone straight into the category of, oh, you've made that up, you're too darn busy, and now you've decided that you, you don't so much want to be a part of it. Well, I gave her the second chance in my mind. Reality is, when I just met her before coming down here, she was flooded with influenza. Oh. <laughs> She was sick. And the story that she gave me about why she wants to be on the podcast, well, I'm just letting you know now, I just can't wait. But my real point here is I, as the coach or as the leader of the podcast, had just made an assumption that this person was making up the the reason why they couldn't attend the appointment when, in fact... She needed a lot of care yeah. at the time, you know. Hey, coming back to the changing lanes, because we, we've just heard the importance and, and central to changing lanes is the authenticity promoted of both parties. But you as the facilitator of the changing lanes program, you must be comfortable and confident enough to be such real self even with children, just as a Sean Hart might be as coach (laughs) of a football team. This whole concept of relating and, uh, and connecting. Tell us a little bit more about changing lanes and why it's been recognized as a valuable contribution and why you believe we just need a lot more of it in education. Look, I think I've done a lot of research on this and I've spoken to the kids about it. And I think the, I kind of drew on this program based on personal experience once I left school. Like yeah. when I left school, I had all these incredible friendships that I thought I was like, I'm going to be friends with so many people. When in fact, after maybe a month or two after being out of school, there was probably four. Yeah. Four that you're just like, oh, they're my people. They're, that's my group. I wanted the kids when they le- leave at the end of next year to have a bigger support network. That didn't have to be 20 or 30. It just needed to be a little bit bigger, but it was also it's also encouraging them or developing their ability to ask for help yeah. or just talk to people and say, oh, I'm not feeling great. I want you to elaborate on the why there because – the, the original part of that story where kids three months after they've left school are left with their core four, mm-hmm. that's standard. Standard, yeah. But now you're saying you want to go, acro- you want to go against the standard mm-hmm. and you actually want to create for them a core group of 10, 15, 20. Give us more the why. Why is that important in your eyes? I think it's because the more people you know you've got in your corner supporting you, yeah the easier it is to get through any sort of issues that you might face when you're going through uni or just figuring out what you want to do when you leave school. I found that my four were very, very good and are very, very good. But the more people I would have had, I just think it would have been easier to lean on a lot more uh, individuals for help and just ask for help. I could have gone to different people for different perspectives. Yeah. Because I think you get a lot more perspective or a range of perspectives with more people. Sure, sure, so, sure, sure. Whereas my four, we're all pretty similar-minded. If I had an issue, they'd all have a similar idea as to how to go about um, overcoming the problem or solving something, whereas the more people you've got there to help, 
the more perspectives you've got to overcome a situation. What are you recognising there is an issue post-school? Because the concept of a core group of 20 is solving a problem and an issue that you see young people having once they've left school. What are you recognising there as an issue for young adults in the tertiary mode? Oh, they just some of these... Some of these students that graduate do not have the emotional intelligence or vocabulary to form connections. Yeah. There's every conversation is superficial, um, which is fine to an extent. But when you're going into an uncomfortable environment, like a new tertiary setting or a new workplace, the easiest way to form new connections is being able to, I guess, ask those tougher questions. Sure. And they don't have to be difficult questions. Yeah. They're just questions you don't necessarily ask people all the time. Yeah. So I tell this to my kids here rather than just asking them, hey, how are you? It's like, what do you want to achieve today? Yeah. What was the favorite? What was your favorite part about today? Yeah. So it's not just a, yeah, good. How about you? Yeah, mm. Good as well. Mm. It's like it's developing their capacity to ask those additional questions. Yeah. The ones yeah. that evoke a more insightful answer I think I, 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 I can relate to what you're saying because one of my observations is how many young people and this is an example only for example they're really good at sport at school mm. right but sometimes in our sporting structures here in Australian education they 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 play their school sport and sometimes that is on weekends maybe not at your school, but when they leave school, they've got all this talent, but so many of them don't have the courage to go down to their local club, and it's because of communication, it's because of the lack of confidence that they can relate and connect and and have a presence. So this rugby talent, this netball talent, this cricketing talent gets lost I, I saw Commonwealth Games athletes in the in the school that I went to, in the schools that we competed with, that were winning, you know, f- f- 100 metres, 200 metres, 400 metres and the 800 metres, and they were never heard of again after they, they left school. And I'm sure it's because, in part, they didn't have the confidence to immediately relate and connect to that outside, outside world. Yeah. Interesting enough, too, and this is an aside, I often wonder what the role of education is to actually connect those kids with those clubs while they're actually at school. And I wish there was a greater tie between clubs and and school. You got a comment about that without changing topics too much? No, I totally agree. I think we're very, very lucky at the school that I'm at is they have partnerships with clubs around here that That's great. talk to it. Like, and it's very easy for schools to form partnerships with yeah. local clubs yeah. and to kind of inject them into these mm. sporting um, avenues, regardless of what their, um, I guess, pursuit is. It just yeah. gives them options. Let, let's do a little quick brainstorm. If it wasn't just sporting clubs, I'm, at, I'm even now thinking, what a shame that kids don't have a connection, for example, with Toastmasters. Yeah, you know, this is true. They don't have a connection. Do they have a connection with the local ballet group? Mm. You know, there'd be so many that we could we could think of. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of opportunities at a variety of different schools for service learning. Yes, so it's like we, the school that um, I've been at now, and a few other schools partnered with Rosie's, for example, Rosie's Friends on yeah, the Street. Yeah, like that giving that yeah. service to um, other people. And I think they're the type of opportunities that we need to have as well. Yeah. So yeah. necessary. Now, I haven't lost track of changing lanes because we only just touched on one part of it. Yeah. You said one of the objectives of changing lanes is to give the, the, the kids the confidence to be vulnerable, another word, to be authentic and real. Are there other objectives of changing lanes? Um, I think one of... The underlying problems that young men and women are facing now, school-aged children, is that they've got low self-worth. They recognise or view their life as, I don't have enough of this. And because of that, I'm not enough. Yeah. So we have a large focus on throughout the program is strategies that they can implement to improve their own self-worth and self-image and yeah. how they view themselves. Um, 
for example, we do a lot on positive-based affirmations of ourselves. We do a lot on what can I say about myself because that's how our brain works through Mm -hmm. repetition. I can get up in the morning and say, I'm smart, I'm strong, I'm happy repeatedly and you, suddenly your brain starts to believe it. Mm. Whereas if you get up and I, we do this excerpt, we'll read this excerpt that says, as soon as you wake up, the first thing we say is, oh, I haven't had enough sleep, I'm too tired. Mm. So you start from this um, deficit point of view yep. on not enoughness mm. and then it just goes throughout the day, oh, I didn't get this done, mm. oh, I didn't achieve this. Mm. And then by the end of the day, it's like my whole day has been, I am not enough, I have not done enough. Sure. So we do a lot of work on self-worth. Yeah. Which is really beneficial. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's um th- that's so important. What, what what about the the affirmation that comes from other kids? I suppose if you're creating a sense of okay, it's to be vulnerable, then I assume you're also creating great connection which could in itself fuel others to feel free to affirm you how much is that promoted heaps heaps and heaps and heaps for example after our hardship where the kids or hero and hardship where they stand up and um, voice their hardship i'll keep them up there and i'll say does anyone um does everyone have anything they want to say about this individual it's always positive you don't even have Mm. to prompt it it's just that was so brave so incredibly proud of you for doing that and they just shout them across the room Suddenly you see this like weight lift off these kids that are standing yeah. up front. They're like, oh, okay. And you don't even need to say it. Kids will give them a cuddle. They'll give them a handshake, a high five. It's like, hey, that was huge. Yeah. What you just did was massive. And all it takes is one person yeah. and then the floodgates open and then you just have people standing up. Like, yeah, let's go. Next I, one. I love what you say is that all it takes is one person. It's almost as if, and I've seen it a hundred times in my coaching mm. work there, Mitch, where once one leads the higher level of sharing and vulnerability and openness, it's like a permission to be given to others to return the same. And I tell you what occurs to me is I'm not quite sure that many of our children at 15, 16, 17 years of age, whether they've even experienced one hour of that continuous positive affirming environment and and i believe in education should be providing that hour oh dare i say monthly Mm. (laughs) not not how, how dare they finish school and say that the greatest experience i had was changing lanes or a or a mitch mills class or a bernie kelly day when in fact they should have been experiencing that right throughout their school education experience. Yeah. You agree with that? 100% you, you, agree. Yeah. But and the kids say it. They say, God, that was unreal. That was unreal. Like how, many, how many lessons can kids recall? I loved that lesson where they taught this. They're not saying that. Mm-hmm. Not, they remember the things that actually matter and that were meaningful to them and they're crying out for connection. Yeah. Like you ask them, what do you I, – I did this. You saw it in my office the other day. The, what's not working well with the cohort? Yeah. I asked my whole cohort, what's not working well? So many people were like, we're divided. We don't talk enough to each other. There's no opportunities for us to connect. And the solutions that they provide us, we need more time to talk to each other about things that actually matter. But, mate, we've got maths to teach. We've got <laughs> science to teach. Yeah. We've got English stuff, to, essays to do, we, you know. It's overcrowded, uh, yeah. Is it okay? Is it overcrowded? Controversy. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get into it, Mitch. Hey, I mean, let's get into it, Mitch. We're here. We may as well. <laughs> or is it wrong priority? Yeah, it's a very good point. It is a very good point. Is it a good point? Do you agree with it? Yeah, I, I do. I definitely see the merit in a lot of the things that we teach. Yeah. But I also think that this stuff is very, very important. So, for example, I'm so thankful and lucky that I'm in a school setting that offers positive education lessons once a week for 40 minutes every week of the year. So what you're talking about in Changing Lanes is actually an established part of their weekly experience. It's in their timetable. But interesting, for 40 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's interesting that as well you look at – the younger grades, the the junior school, for example, where the recommended physical activity is over 30 minutes a day, 
Mm. They're getting 70 minutes of PE classes a week. Yeah. Like, yeah. how does that work? Yeah. But then again, you've got maths that's got two and a half hours. Yeah. It's, yeah. I wish uh, I wish you could see Mitch Mills in this little studio there, <laughs> folks. The hands are going up, up and down over here. He's questioning it all. Very He's questioning it all. about my PE space and my posed space. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why are you passionate about the PE space? Why does the, the, the concept of what we do with our bodies, why is that so, so important? Well, the research is insurmountable that physical activity provides greater academic outcomes, yeah. greater mental health is more effective than some medicines and medication at overcoming depression. I find this fascinating. It's like why, why are we not prioritising that? Yeah, right. Now, in education, are we emphasising competition too much at the expense of, and I'm trying to remember the word you just used then, and it wasn't collaboration. Connection. Connection, right? Is, is competition ruling our upbringing so that it fits in with the societal paradigms of success so that we're prepared to take our place in the world and compete in the world of business, uh, the world against our neighbours because they've got, they've got stuff of pleasure and we don't. Uh, competition, competition, competition. When should we be diluting that and offering more connectedness and collaborative experiences like changing lanes yeah in short yes it's school is all about competition at the moment yeah particularly as they move through their senior years yeah like it's all about my position within the cohort that's going to impact my overall rank yeah so it's and that's like that's competition there the rank absolutely we are ranked against each other schools are ranked against each other but it's all about that competitive nature you even think of school sport the dropout in school sport's huge yeah. because it's competitive. Yeah. It's incredibly competitive. They don't learn to enjoy it. They enjoy an outcome if they win. Yeah. They're not enjoying the process. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm. Totally so, agree. so what's the alternative? Where should we be going, Australian Educator of the Year? <laughs> I, I really like this because in Year 12 we do a topic or it might be Year 11, we do a topic on equity in yeah. Year 11 PE yeah. and we talk about the dropout of school-aged children and physical activity, particularly post-school. Yeah. And I get them to come up with a, a strategy. What could we be doing during school time? Yeah. Still maintain physical activity but cater to what – our students want yeah overwhelmingly it's let's have social sport let's play mixed social sport yeah let's mixed oz tag yeah let's let's put in rock climbing i don't know yeah. it's it's like fun lifestyle sports that they'll play post school wow let's have gym classes yeah. yoga pilates like let's um do water aerobics mm. like they're not the traditional sports that mm. all schools are offering right now mm. if you think about the sports that GPS schools are offering in Queensland. It's the standard rugby, swimming, netball, tennis, soccer. Yeah. Like it's, and it's been the same for years. Yeah. No change. Yeah. So, yeah. and I think we're just stuck in our ways a little bit. See, I find this fascinating because if I, if we take a bigger picture view right now, mm. now I'm not no futurist. But you don't have to be Einstein to work out that when they talk about artificial intelligence. And we already know of companies and businesses that are now working, asking their people to work four days a week, two of those days at home. If you start to think about that as a lifestyle, isn't that going to lead to more space and the possibility of more recreational time? Therefore, our children currently at school and the schools of the near future Shouldn't we be educating them on how to use that recreational time in anticipation of a future that won't be like it was 
20, 30, 40 years ago where we work, you know, 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock and now six days a week, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Comment on that? Yeah, I definitely think we need to find ways that or even strategies that we can teach these kids. Yeah. Hey, you're going to have a lot of free time when you leave here. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? And yeah. give them those strategies. Yeah. And I think it comes back to those partnerships as well. It's With like, the well, clubs yeah. we were talking about. What happens after school? Oh, yeah. down the road, there's a mixed Oz tag comp on Monday nights. Yeah. It's just an idea. Yeah. 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 It's, it's necessary. Is education behind the current times? Uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's struggling to stay in touch. Or ahead of it. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's changing rapidly. Yeah. Like in like you were saying, the AI, there's chat GPT out now, which a lot of kids are using. It's just yeah. it's there. Now you're gonna to have to forgive me for saying this, right? But I actually heard a conversation at a school that I did deliver a leadership program to recently, mm-hmm. and the teachers were talking about what are these chat bots? These AI bots, what are they called? Yeah, chat GPT. That one there, yeah, right? Yeah. That, in fact, I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Now, I'm listening to the conversation. Yeah. And the only thing that the teaching group could talk about was how this is going to steal away our kids' creativity, how this is a problem for uh, essay marking because, you know, which is, uh, which is from, the, from the children, which is from the artificial intelligence, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a group of teachers who, who aren't yet ready to embrace what appears to me to have some inevitability. Yeah. And so it's not to destroy what it is at the moment or to, or to downplay it, but it's to say, how can we actually utilise yeah. And how does this actually change the focus on education mm-hmm. so that we actually prepare our students to better handle the world that they're going to be entering into in which they won't have to learn as much because it's going to be available? Yeah, it is a game changer. But the thing is, it's like you said, and I love that word embrace, like we should be embracing yeah. it. Yeah. I tell my kids to use it mm. in class, the end of oh, the looks I get. What do you, What do you mean? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean you use it? You're the first teacher I've heard. Oh. Go for it, kids. Well, I said to them, it's such a good tool to help you with this side of school. Yeah, like if you need help scaffolding some sort of paragraph that you need to write. Yeah, why would you not get an exemplar that you could get some ideas from? Yeah, it's a no brainer to me. Yeah, it's like work a little bit smarter. Don't try and avoid the problem. Yeah. Oh, it's not there. Don't worry about it. And mm. you think about those American universities where all exams and assessments are now handwritten. Yeah. They're not doing online submissions because they might be using ChatGPT. Like use it. it yeah. It's, it's so powerful. It creates emails for you. It creates timetables for you. It's a time saver. Yes. And then like you said, we have more time to do the things we want to be doing. Well, well, and, and, and there lies the educational challenge. Surely, if that is going to be an outcome of, of the, the, the technological revolution which continues to accelerate at such rapid pace, then don't we prepare for that world to come? Isn't that a purpose of education? Maybe that's the question I should be yeah. asking. What is the purpose? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, I agree. Mm, because I, I don't have to speak to too many teachers who on one hand are saying that about AI, but on the other hand, if I ask them the question, do you honestly believe that the current curriculum that you're, you're offering and that education is giving to our kids, is it preparing them for the game of life? And I will get most teachers saying no. Mm. And, and so I'll say, well, if everybody's saying no, then those who determine what the curriculum is, aren't they listening? Yeah. Am I out of place? No. I see, maybe I can say this and you can't because you're in the system. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's just like you, you don't know. You don't know. It's like yeah. this is just passed down to you and you, you teach what that's, you that's, need to teach. Yeah. Mate, I think we may have to put this podcast in after you've won the award because if they hear it before, you might. 
<laughs> you but might it's get interesting credit, though. Credit like, points taken off. I'm yeah. very, very biased, and everyone knows that I'm a PE teacher, and I think that that is the one subject that is that prepares the kids that I have yeah. for post-schooling life. I'm incredibly biased when it comes to that, but I believe it because it it kept me in good stead when I left school. I still, to this day, I'm like, PE is the one subject that got me through. Yeah, okay. Up until this point, yeah, I am a PE teacher now, but it it was. Yeah, it was. Um. I've got a couple of things floating in the back of my mind that I want to hit you with, but but I've always got to keep on measuring and I'm getting better at this whole podcast thing because I, I keep on saying, is this your agenda, Bernie, or yeah. is it the <laughs> listener's agenda? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you anyway, okay. I want to state that if one of the outcomes of a great life – is becoming a loving human being, a human being that is capable of generating and stimulating their own inner happiness without connection to things or events. Well, sometimes events can bring you happiness, but it's temporary. But I'm talking about sustainable inner happiness. Then surely it starts with recognizing the greatest gift that any human being's ever been given. And I'm going to state that is our bodies. Mm-hmm. If one studies the biology of the body, and I'm, I'm trying to think here of the neurology, the way that I, I, I feel something and my hands just go as they are now to an automatic position that reflects that that feeling how when i say i'm about to walk and without any consciousness whatsoever muscles contract and and in and in conflicting ways the hamstring lengthens and the quadriceps shortens automatically you know we've got a heart that is an organ that never stops for near a hundred years. Oh my God, I don't know of any machine, uh, maybe there are machine parts that can do that, but nonstop, never been turned off, you know? And my old one is, of course, the one where we take the capillaries, the arteries and the veins and all the blood vessels out of your body, Mitch Mills, and we tie them up end to end and they go around the equator twice. I'm not talking about the whole of humanity. I'm talking about Mitch Mills. Now, if we are to become loving human beings, surely it starts by being in awe, having enormous love for the greatest gift we've ever been given. Now, why? Because to explain it as a gift is to perhaps acknowledge something greater than self. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Right? So if we are to be in awe of the body, we are in awe of he, he, she, who, what gives us the body. And it ain't our parents. They had sex and they seeded it. And, 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 and when you start to think about how do you be thankful for it, well, the first thing is you don't abuse your Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. You don't abuse your BMW. Well, why would you abuse your body? Mm. But it's not because, oh, this is what the dietitians say. It's because I have this paradigm and this picture. Oh, my God, I've been given a miracle. So, therefore, I honour it. What do you think yeah. about all this, Mitch? Yeah, I think – I think you just need to have a really good self-awareness. Yeah. Like I need to be aware that what I have is a gift. Yeah. And I don't think enough people go on that journey of what I've got has been given to me as a one-off thing. Yeah. Like I don't get another one of these, so I need to treat it with some sort of respect yeah. and kindness. Yeah. But we we don't. And yeah. I think it is because we don't think about it enough. Maybe schools are also a little bit afraid to go down that pathway of saying, who gave us the miracle? Yeah. And by the way, for listeners out there, this ain't a religious lesson. I, I'm just saying it because I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> when I say, who gave us the miracle? I want to know who gave us the friggin' miracle. 
<laughs> and, and whatever is the answer to that, I want to honor who gave me the miracle. Yeah. My body is an awesome machine. Yeah. And think about when that realization came to you. It's like sometimes that happens a lot later on. It does. Like why couldn't it be earlier? Bingo, mate. So therefore yeah. I'm coming back to education. <laughs> Guess what? This is your domain, mate. Yeah. We, we gotta, we got to make sure the kids are in awe mm-hmm. of our bodies when they leave. Because I've got this picture, if they were in awe, I think they would have something to hang their esteem on. I think if they were in awe, they would look after their bodies. I think there would be less alcohol drinking. I think there would be less substance abuse. I think there would be more choice of uh, uh, less choice of processed foods. I think they would be more aware and we'd give them good reasons to look after their bodies. And I think that is the foundation of love. Yeah. Gotta love your gotta love your own body and your love self and love give so you can give something. Yeah. Something to to others. You're the bloody PE teacher, mate. I I'm I'm so incredibly <laughs> lucky that the school I am at gives us this opportunity to teach this kind of stuff. We do a lot on health literacy and learning how to love our bodies and what we can do not to avoid illness, but yeah. what can we keep doing. Yeah to maintain a high level of health. Yeah. And I think that's the message that is consistently sent around different schools is yeah. what can I avoid so this doesn't happen? Yeah. It's not like what are you doing now yeah. that you can keep doing and add to that to maintain this high level of health. Got a question for you because even if as I walk through your beautiful school and it is one down here on the Gold Coast, I'm sure I would find overweight kids. Definitely. Now – if they're being given this opportunity to become aware of the body and what good health looks like, then we can only assume that maybe things at home haven't got the same philosophy. Therefore, what is education doing to also educate parents? Yeah. Now, we have schools all in, in every community that shut down at 3 o'clock all these most magnificent facilities. And, 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 and I know there are things called TAFE colleges, but why, why aren't schools open till 9 o'clock at night and also offering classes through other teaching um, organisations mm. that also educate parents and adults? It's so interesting. I love that you've brought this up because – when Changing Lanes was founded, there are a lot of other schools that were doing something similar, something similar, but they also offered parent classes as well. Yeah. Which was incredible. And I think that's what we definitely need to start doing is if there's scope to be providing these sessions for parents, like why wouldn't we be offering them? Yeah. It's, a, it's a, such a great idea. Yeah. Because sometimes it takes – some sort of information or informative session to kind of break the cycle. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah let, let's be honest. You, you know, I, I would believe that most parents, if they were doing grade 12 again, they would be absolutely floored by what they would learn. Yeah. And their child's doing it, but mum and dad can't relate to it at home because it's beyond their, um, their, their own awarenesses. Yeah. Give us a lesson or two of changing lanes. You know, like like, changing lanes is a number of lessons that mm. you give to the kids. So yeah. bring it to life for us because I'm imagining that some parents listening to this could say, oh, wow, yeah. could I duplicate that in some way mm. for my teenage son or daughter? One of the largest things with changing lanes is joy. Recognizing joy is a very vulnerable emotion. Yeah. So our final task for the unit or for the the nine-week term is these kids will write a gratitude letter to their hero that they said in the first week. Okay. Why they're their hero, what they're thankful for about them, how they make them feel. Yeah. It's very structured. I'll teach them how to write a gratitude letter and then I'll tell the parents because nine times out of ten it's their parents. I'll say, hey, your son or daughter just written a letter today. They're going to read it for you tonight. Right. Don't you read it. I said, let them read it to you. Yeah. So – It breaks down so many walls that you'll typically have, and I know I've got it with sometimes my dad or mum, because we weren't brought up in a home where um, I guess emotion wasn't actively expressed. Yeah. Like we talk and they're incredibly loving and caring, 
but we probably didn't engage in that to- those type of conversations enough. Yeah. It's the same with the kids now. Yeah. It's just that cycle. Yeah. It's the cycle. Give us a story, Mitch. Give it, we won't mention, of course we wouldn't mention the individual. Yeah. But think of a child mm. um, who's been on the receiving end of this wonderful offering that your program gives them. Yeah. But also you give them too because, as you said earlier on, the model of who you are is, is so important. Yeah. And give us an example of a child in a certain state when you first met them and then as a result of their year 11 experience with you and changing lanes, yeah. this is where the child finished up. I think the, the most powerful ones is when a kid will stand up and tell you about a hardship that you had no idea has ever happened. Yeah. Or that their friends didn't even know that happened. Yeah. And you make it really obvious and apparent with that. So I had this young man last year. He'd stood up and told us about his hardship. And I asked the, the group of boys in the room, I said, how many of you knew this? That None. Yeah. Hands. yeah. I said, is there a reason why you've never told anyone? He goes, we just, we don't, we don't talk about that. Like yeah. there's been no real reason. And that's probably fair. There's probably no real reason to bring it up. But I said, has it bothered you? And he goes, yeah, it has. Yeah. And then by the end of this program, I had a conversation with this boy and um, I said, like, how did it make you feel? The nine weeks he goes, I just have so many friends that I didn't know cared that much. Wow. Like I just had no idea. He goes, I knew I was there for them, yeah. but I had no idea that they were, they were there. And it really puts it in perspective. And I actually got an email from the young man this year who's in grade 12 now. Yeah. And he's like, sir, like, we just need it. We need more of it. Geez, I'm a big fan of year 13. It's got no curriculum. Yeah. You know, and I'm talking about boot camps. Yeah. I'm talking about really get healthy. I'm talking about apprenticeships. I'm talking about a scheme that allows you to spend um, a month in uh, uh, developing countries. I don't even like that term because the developing countries for me have so much more to teach us than the, the developed countries. Mm. Um, if I have to go to a, another beautiful Nepal or Tanzania and learn more about myself than I do in Australia, um, then then give me give me those countries any day. You know. Yeah. Um, you go to Kibera, the great slum of Africa, and the poorest of the poor, how come they talk to their neighbours and we don't? That's <laughs> true. You, you know, it's it, – it, it, so, so my year 13 would have all of these type of experiences. Mm. It's almost like it used to be the old national service, except it's not for military purposes, it's yeah. for life purposes. For life, yeah. You know, you, you like that, don't you? I do like that. You like that, then? Yeah. 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 What else do we need to do to, to, to um, help our young people recognise earlier that love's pretty important? It's hard-edged. It's a bloody good purpose mm. to have in your life. I think we need to have these kind of learning experiences and, and we offer them that aren't a standard chalk and talk that, yeah. that you need to implicitly teach it yeah. so the kids walk away and be like, Oh, actually, that was pretty important. That yeah, they don't leave and go. Oh, it was on the board. I don't really need to know it. Yeah, it needs to be scenario based. Like yeah. they need to engage in these kind of activities where they have to, I guess, for example, communicate. Yeah, and they recognise the importance of it through doing it. Yeah, not through hearing it's, about I love how that. effective that's, it is. That's that's a great educator's answer, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking here about, for example, um, do our kids ever? you know, get down to an elderly home on a Friday lunchtime in order to actually not only open up the pizza but actually feed the pizza to the elderly because the elderly can't pick it up themselves and put it into their mouths. Mm. And do they have that beautiful experience of connecting with the elderly who smile because when they see a young person, they see love now. You know, they, they see life. They see, uh, they see the creation. If you had to advise any parents listening to this podcast and you had to give them two pieces of strong advice, Mitch, um, about, about looking after their child and, and, and helping their child to see more, be more and be more confident, what would you say to them? 
We got a really good email two weeks ago from a dad of one of the kids that's doing changing lanes now and he goes, I don't know what you've done, but this kid talks more to me in my, on the car ride home than he's ever done before. Wow. And so I think with that, my biggest piece of advice is when your kid gets in the car and you say, how was your day? And they say, good. Or what did you learn? They say, not much. Yeah. Like, don't end it. Yeah. Like prioritize the 20 minute drive home. Yeah. As the greatest opportunity for you to connect with them. Love it. Like it's not only going to help your bond. Yeah. But it helps them actually talk to someone, yeah. one that's older than them, but it's like it's your parents. Yeah. Like inform some sort of close relationship with them that isn't just a, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And they like push them for it. Love it. Yeah. Really push them for it. I loved getting that email. I was, Gobsmacked. Now, while you think of your second one, because I asked you for two, right? Now, while you think of that, mm-hmm. um, of course, this begs the question about, again, this community education, because some parents don't know how to ask yeah. their kids for more, to elaborate more, to share more feeling. Mm-hmm. But if they, they were able to, to come to, you know, a three-part education and open-ended questions, I'm making it up now, you know, on how to share feeling and elicit feeling, then then they could have those 20 minutes too. So mm. again, I, I, love the, I love the way that this podcast is bringing a few elements of possibilities um, together into the one picture. Yeah. What's your second piece of advice, Mitch? Well, the second one comes back to the car discussions on the way home as well. And it really ties in nicely to what you said there is don't be scared to ask some difficult questions. Yeah. So rather than you saying, how was your day? Yeah. Ask them, hey, is there anything kind of troubling you at the moment? Yeah. Like is, there, is everything, not a good one or yeah. a, a yes, no question. That was actually a terrible question because it was a yes, no answer. Yeah. What's something that's making you feel a bit uneasy right yeah. now at school? Yeah. The kids are forced into saying something. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it helps. It gives you an insight. And yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. And I got a mate at footy. I, I love the way he says this. It's get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I love it. Mm. I love it so much. And it's because if you're not uncomfortable, you're not really growing. Yeah. Like you're stagnant. Yeah. And if you're stagnant, you're dead. Like, but it's interesting that comment, isn't it? Get comfortable being uncomfortable. The inference there is after a while, if you practice it enough, you'll be comfortable. Yeah. 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 So I'm also wondering how many parents out there could actually start, you know what, geez, I had a poop of a day today. Oh, I had some people at, at work today and they really annoyed me and I just didn't handle them well. Mm. I actually lost my temper and my patience. I'm really ashamed of myself. What about your day, son? Oh, and I love it. The amount of – these kids are – they're resilient kids yeah. and they're more than willing to listen. Yeah. They'll listen to you. Yeah. If they ask you how you're going or if you tell them, hey, I, this, I had a really awful day. Yeah. I had a terrible day and this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. The first thing they'll say, and I haven't had an, yeah. an instant where it hasn't happened, they, are you okay? Yeah. Are you all good? And yeah. that's from a student. Yeah. Like it's it, it's a ripple effect like you yeah. said before. If you're yeah. open with them, they'll, they'll be open. Mm-hmm. They will. I remember when, um, you know, on a, on a personal basis, I, I went through an enormous amount of pain and chaos for a, 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 a substantial period of time. And um, during my daughter's upbringing up until the age of, you know, 16, 17, 18, I'd always been the dad, you know, the parent. Yeah. I was the one with the right to coach. And fascinating, she took full advantage. Thank you, Bernice for um, the state that I was in and she reversed the roles. And it's, it's fascinating parents because that evolved and she had that experience, it, I honestly believe it's become part of the making of us with emphasis on the word us, yeah. that she was able to play a role to be um, my support because it was going both ways then, not just not just one way. Yeah. A last question here, Mitch. What about for you personally, buddy? Um, what do you see is really important to you to develop and to evolve, um, both as Mitch Mills and as an educator? Yeah. How do you? 
how do you get beyond the beautiful place where Mitch Mills is now? You're recently married, is that right? No, it's just you're heading. Oh, uh, no, I'm not married. No, I've been with the same girl for yeah, a long time. But you're heading. Oh, oh come long on, time. long time. <laughs> I might be opening up Pandora's yeah. box at the dinner table tonight. <laughs> no, is it? Yeah, no, it has been a long time. <laughs> I can hear her now. What's her name? Nicole. I can hear Nicole now saying, that question Bernie Kelly brought up, could we have that answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, you owe cut. me. Yeah, the extent, it's part two of the podcast. <laughs> um, in the beautiful space that you're in now, you, where, how does Mitch Mills evolve as a person and also as, um, as an educator? I still find the stuff we talk about in Changing Lanes incredibly hard. Because yeah. like I'm only on my third year of doing it. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't do any of this stuff before this program started. Yeah. So I think continually using changing lanes as a means of helping younger kids. Yeah. But also helping myself at the same time. Yeah. Get better at having difficult conversations and being open about how I'm feeling, but also yeah. be really joyous about things that I'm experiencing. Yeah. Is probably it's a challenge, but also a really big goal to just mm. keep doing that. Yeah. I, I just think there's scope for this work and this program to be taken a lot further. Mitch, I suspect that changing lanes as a concept, mm. and I would probably urge you to just to see it as a concept now. Yeah. I mean, you've started it and it's a, it's a live program. But can you imagine the evolution of it in the next year two years, three years, with devoted attention, whereby it's far more than eight one-hour lessons um, or something similar, where it can be um, eight one-hour lessons per term, where it can be a full day's program that's available for younger students um, so that it's a journey that can schools can adopt and it can actually be a sustainable part of the student's um, experience. Yeah. Where changing lanes is also um, got an adult and a parent um, educational component to it. I'm thinking of our wonderful mate, Brett Lee, who talks to schools, parents, even primary school students about some of the ill and poor things, disaster things that occur on social media chat sites between, you know, uh, people that are trying to take advantage of children. And Brett, being a prior detective, has, is now teaching um, staff um, and students at all levels how to recognise um, such um, inappropriate behaviour. And he's, he's left detectivehood and has now turned it into an evolving program. Does some magnificent work around the country. He'll be global yeah. in some way. Yeah. Mate, that's your, that's your possibility. Why? Because the outcome of changing lanes answers the question about preparing kids for life. Mm. And I don't know of an educator who doesn't believe that we can do a heck of a lot more yeah. in preparing our children for life. So, mate, if I can support in any way, um, then you know where to get me. I and do. if those who are listening to this, hey, if they wanted to contact you, now I'm going to put you into the program notes, mm -hmm. right, but if they wanted to contact you and learn more, how could they do that, please, in, in what would be an appropriate way? Yeah, I mean, they could find a, there's an Instagram page at Changing Lanes Program. Changing Lanes Instagram page. Yeah, there's yeah. an Instagram page. Um, or they could find uh, me on LinkedIn and there's a link there to our uh, email. And are you Mitch or Mitchell? Mitchell Mills. Mitchell Mills. Yeah. Oh, oh, mate, you say so you've gone the formal way oh, on the LinkedIn. On my LinkedIn. <laughs> it's my professional profile. <laughs> Buddy, congratulations. When is, the, when is the announcement for Australian Teacher of the Year or an award to that similar name? Yeah, it's August 11th. Okay, mate. Well, listen, mate, we, we wish you best in that, but it doesn't matter whether you win or lose there, mate. It doesn't. <laughs> because, hey, look at the, the recognition 
that is taking place. Congratulations, mate, and thank you for bringing the journey with Bernie objective to life and answering one of the questions that's been bugging us for a long time is how can we bring it forward into the hearts, minds and souls of our children? And we can do that through the skill and the expertise of Mitchell Mills. Australian Teacher of the Year. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, mate, and thank you. (laughs) Hey, and uh, all the best in the big footy game on the weekend, eh? Thank you. All right, mate. (laughs) See you, Mitch. Bye. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Dear people, I loved it. I just love investigating and exploring these learning opportunities that each one of our guests provides. I hope it's the same for you. Of course, you may be after contact and connection details or references to any books that were made during the podcast. Why not go to the podcast notes? All the information is there for you, dear people. Some of you have rung me recently about joining our Nepalese adventures in 2023. Can you imagine it? You and I walking to Everest Base Camp over 14 glorious days or a similar time frame to visit the Gokyo Lakes and seeing the Himalayan vista outlined in front of us. What a beautiful experience for each and every one of us. All you have to do is ring plus six one four one two nine eight two four four four. Have a chat with me and I'll have an information kit to you in no time. And why would you even consider doing this? Well, it's just all about the journey of life. And here yet is another opportunity. Just embrace it, dear people. Love your journey and always remember. Remember.